Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Lights, Camera, Sports podcast presented by Chestnut Hill Technologies. I'm your host, Mike Galtieri. Time for another Minutes with Mute. I'm joined by the one and only Scott Mutrin. You know him from the Boston College Learfield Radio Network, former quarterback, Boston College in the 90s. Nice enough to join us. Uh, but first, I'd like to remind everybody, if you're a BC football fan, you got to join the BC Football Gridiron Club. A couple more games this year, tailgates, email newsletter. It's the one-stop shop place to be for Boston College football fans. That's bcfootballgridiron.com to sign up and get more details. Okay, with that now, we join, We are joined by the one and only Scott Mutrin. Scott, Boston College, 17-10, to 10, nice W, five straight. Now bowl eligible, 6-3 and three on the year, 3-2 and two conference play. A lot of good vibes with the Boston College Eagles. Yeah, feeling good. You get five in a row, you got to love that. Uh, you, don't, you don't get many of those winning streaks, and you got to really appreciate them. And everyone gets, you know, overly concerned with margin of victory, and that's, you know, granted, you would love to win by more, but that's that doesn't really give you. You don't get extra bonus points for it, so you might as well just enjoy the victories while you can. Okay, so we were, me and you were both there, seventeen to ten, nice victory, Carrier Dome. Excuse me, the JMJ Wireless Dome, I think it's called now. But that was a hostile environment, pretty fired up. Uh, just your big picture thoughts for this this W for BC. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those games that you kind of look at and you're like. Another one like the UConn game, you look at the stats and you're like, how did BC only score 17 points in this game? You know? Yes, like yeah. 94 plays of offense. Um, they had 42 minutes of time of possession, which is just when you see stuff like that, you expect you expect a lot of numbers on the scoreboard. But you know, a couple times they just shot themselves in the foot or are just unable to convert in big in big plays, and they didn't. You know, kind of the second week in a row where they. They didn't have any big explosive plays, only one play over 20 yards. So you'd like to see that the defense that, you know, Syracuse plays, you want to kind of put them on the ropes a little bit and, you know, make them pay for uh, their aggressive style. But BC was just unable to do it. But what a, what a great performance by the defense, I thought. Four turnovers, some big plays after, um, you know, some, some tough plays that goes against BC. They, they gave up a couple big plays, but, you know, held – Syracuse and Chuck, I think Syracuse is 34 yards passing. Um, so it, when you see that kind of effort, you another one you look at, you're like, how did they get four turnovers? How do they only get 17 points? So it's head scratching, but in the end, it's you know, like I said, you don't get style points for uh, for margin of victory. Yeah, 37 yards passing to Syracuse, four turnovers. Um, they had 209 yards rushing. Now gained BC, but you had, almost. Equally, how did Syracuse to keep this close and get up to get 10 points? You know, four turnovers, that's a lot. Yeah, exactly. Well, D.C. gave up a couple big plays in the running game. So if you look at the the 209 yards rushing, you know, the, most of their attempts were, you know, they didn't throw it that much when they did. They threw it to D.C. But they had, I think, four big plays running the football. You know, one, um, 
you know, one that was a, a quarterback draw for a touchdown, and another one was a, you know, a big, uh, a big game that enabled them to get a field goal. So they had like three or four big plays, but the majority of it, like BC, did a good job of corralling them. But you know, great effort by the defense. Elijah Jones with another outstanding game deserves a lot of credit. He's been outstanding the last, uh, you know, the last three or four weeks for the Eagles. And I was talking to Coach Halfley in the postgame presser, and he said, you know, the offensive line for BC, they do, that's kind of part of the plan. They kind of, to your point, long drives, wear, tear, and then try to capitalize in the second half. So I thought BC did a good job with that, kind of breaking it open. We all wish it was a little sooner in the game, but the offensive line, I thought, for BC played pretty well. Yeah, they played it exceptionally well. Syracuse did a lot of crazy stuff on defense. They... It's weird because they don't play a very fundamentally sound defense. They play an aggressive defense, which sometimes they'll try to shoot gaps. They'll move to try to anticipate certain plays. They'll almost throw two guys in one gap, which doesn't make a lot of sense, but they try to get big plays from it. And when they do that, uh, if they're right, it ends up working. If they're not, it usually ends up on the other side of it. But, uh, you know, the offensive line, there's, there's a lot of movement around there. They did a really, really good job of, you know, keeping their heads about them and making big plays when they needed to and just moving, constantly moving Syracuse off the ball. I thought, you know, they did a really good job of just controlling that line of scrimmage even throughout some of the negative plays that happened. And, you know, BC was down to their, like, fifth running back. You know, you didn't, they, they were looking guys up. Um, to identify them by the time the, the game ended, after, you know, with all the injuries they've had in that room. Yeah, yes, no question. Okay, Scott, as a former QB yourself, I always like to get the analyst on the QB play for BC, Thomas Castellanos. Um, you know, a, a great runner. That's my take on him. He's not, I saw him on the field pregame in person, not tall, um, great runner. Uh, but the, the what is alarming to me is the passing. Uh, he had a lot of wide-open receivers for BC that could have been big plays that we kind of referenced earlier. Uh, he just missed them. He missed them. Uh, I'd like to get your thoughts on Castellanos overall and the general vibe now down the stretch. Yeah, he's getting there. You know, he has some moments. He, You know, Syracuse probably looking at the tape going, wow, they, they should have had about four or five interceptions that either they dropped yes. or they didn't make plays. No question. That. And, you know, it's frustrating for, for them, I'm sure. But, you know, Thomas needs to make some, some adjustments to how defenses are starting to play him now. And they're going to, you know, they're going to give him some things that make him beat them in the, using his arm. And he's got to be able to find those guys and find creases and throwing lanes to really kind of give him a better chance to, um, you know, to be productive throwing the football. The plays are there. He's just got to find them. This is part of the, the growth curve with him. Uh, you just got to be able to, to hang with it, <laughs> you know, and just hopefully that it does come and he eventually starts getting, you know, getting that rhythm because if he starts to really, you know, hammer down throwing the football, then the Eagles are going to spot. Yeah, no question about it. And he, but you're right. He's lucky. Another team, they picked those balls off, pick six of the other way. So um, I, that's a really good point. He, he threw for 165 yards, one TD, 20 of 37. Uh, ran for 22 carries, 87 yards, one TD. Obviously a big TD uh, down the stretch, make it 17-10 with 2.23 to go. Uh, and I don't want to be too harsh on him. He played a good game, but the passing is going to come back down the stretch. It's going to come back to haunt you if you, if you can't hit the wide-open receiver. Right. Yeah, he's, he's, you know, he said he did miss some guys. I'm sure there's some that he's going to look at the tape and, and realize that, um, you know, he could have he had a chance to make some plays, and he just didn't. But, 
you know, this is part of, this is part of what's going on. You got to be able to make the changes. Um, you got to be able to make the changes that the, uh, the, the defense has given him and he needs to really adapt to how, how they're going to play him. And then he's just got to start making some plays, uh, using his arm 37 times, the most he's thrown it this year. Syracuse at that point was, you know, daring him to throw the football, um, because he just, uh, you know, he, they, they, they weren't going to let him beat him with his legs. And that's, you know, that's just, that's the way teams are going to start playing him now. And I think that that's something that, uh, BC will do a good job with and, and trying to game plan around that. But, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's part of football, right, is, is seeing what teams are doing to defend you and then making your adjustments. BC did a good job out of the bye week doing that with him. Now they have to, uh, you know, see what, what UConn and Syracuse did to, to Castellanos and see how they're going to combat that when teams down the stretch because they're going to watch tape and they're going to see the same thing. So they're going to want to, uh, they're going to want to stop him and contain him as much as possible. So, that's uh, you know it's gonna be in the offensive staff for the Eagles to find ways to whether it's get him, get him on the perimeter so he's got clear of throwing lanes or, or just being able to hammer some repetition with with some of the with the passing game so he gets on the same page with those guys. But you know the, the receivers have played well when they get a chance to get the ball in their hands. Uh, you know Lewis Bond and and um, Dino D- Tomlin. Dino Tomlin, yeah, big, yeah, have been great. Joe Griffin had a couple big catches. Um, so you know there's some talent there. They just got to find a way to get him the ball. And then put a bow tie on the Syracuse game you mentioned earlier. Defense, your thoughts on BC's defense? Obviously, it helped Syracuse to seven points in the first quarter and three in the fourth. Goose eggs in the second and third quarters. Pretty good performance by Syrac- uh, by BC's defense. Oh, without a doubt. An outstanding performance by the defense. They were put in some tough situations as well, and they responded. Yes. Uh, you know, I'm very happy to see them uh, really – you know, step up and make plays when they're, you know, great, a great, like, you call it an interception by Elijah Jones, but he just took it out of a guy's hands after the Robichaux fumble on that vicious hit. Yes. I still don't know how it wasn't targeting, but, I mean, you know, it is what it is. And I, I, I there's things I just don't understand with, with football today right now. I don't know what holding is. I don't know what pass interference is. And I don't know what targeting is. Yeah, so targeting I, I, goes I, both ways, too. Sometimes they call targeting. It's not even targeting. You're right, and it goes. It's like there's no rhyme or reason. Yeah, I, I think you're 100 percent right on that, and I see it. And I thought, you know, even the one where uh, they wanted to call in the first half on uh, Sean Rooks from BC, I was like, well, I'm like, that's 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 a one a targeting. He's definitely going to get flagged, and they didn't call it. And then the one on Rober Show, I was positive that it was textbook textbook targeting. And when they said it wasn't, I was shocked. I was shocked. And actually, I'll just say the fans at Syracuse are not very, not very nice. I've never been, uh, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of the right term without being mean, but I, a fan. I've never, I was disappointed. I've never been disappointed more in the way in which people have talked and handled me. I had a guy grab me at halftime, which is completely unacceptable. Um, I, I, what do you I mean, mean? What do you mean? Grab you? What do you mean? You're a tall guy. My, yeah, yeah, I know. He grabbed my arm and told me to take off my like BC like shirt, and he didn't use this, like very those words, but it was you know used a couple <laughs> of extra ones. I was shocked that someone would have the you know the audacity to grab somebody just because they're wearing different colors. That might have been some beer courage, huh? Yeah, it may have been, but you know I looked and responded, and then I was like, you know. 
don't touch me. Like, what are you touching me for? Um, and then I had, uh, and then during that Roman show penalty, I, I had a fan yelling at me. And it was an older gentleman, and he said a couple of not nice things to me. I was, I was uh, literally, my mouth was wide open when I heard what he said. I like, <laughs> that was a I Friday night that game, you know. That, that was they were tailgating at three in the afternoon. It was pretty fired up that crowd. I thought overall. <laughs> to say the least, they were fired up, right? Uh, <laughs> the carry, which like to like to get your thoughts on the Carrier Dome as a whole, though. I, you know, I was I haven't been there in a while for a football game. Um, you know, I know you're not a huge fan of it, but it seemed pretty. Uh, what's the word? A, a cool vibe, at least indoor dome. Well, they've changed it around. Like the lighting in there is much better. Yeah, it's, it's the scoreboard is pretty cool. Yep. yep. Um, you know, they it looks pretty. Uh, it looks pretty cool up there. Um, the scoreboard is pretty impressive. Like the the graphics and everything on it were pretty awesome. But uh, you know, it's still it's still the dome, and it's still you know it's still you know Syracuse and you know kind of gray and stuff. So you just got to uh, you know it, it is what it is. You just if you can get out of there with a win because it's one of those house of horrors that it's not so much the ambiance as much as it's just the bad things that seem to happen to BC teams when they go up there. When I was playing, and then the games that I've done up there, there's always something. There's always something that happens there that you're, you're just like, oh, my God, again? It's just, you know, expect the unexpected there. That's the only real way to say it. So, BC, 6-3, and 3-2 three, three and two conference play, but obviously the sixth win gets them bowl eligible. I just, I'd like to get your thoughts, Scott. We can kind of go through the, weed, the weeds here. Obviously, the team's happy. They had shirts, um, six wins. I'm trying to be realistic about it. Very good, no doubt. Uh, you want to do more, though. And, you know, this has been a softer schedule this year as well, too. We have to call it how it is. Uh, just your just big picture take on becoming bowl eligible. Uh, so, I mean, when you're sitting one and three, I think a lot of people would not have expected them to be in this situation right now. I would say probably 98% of the fan base didn't think they were going to win four games. And your schedule is what your schedule is, right? You can't, like, that, that's something to me that just bothers me. It's like, you can't control how good teams are on your schedule, right? And especially when you're in a conference, it's like, it's not D.C.'s fault that some of these teams are not as good as they've been in years past. So are they supposed to feel sorry for them? Are they supposed to, you know, like, like not play as hard or just give up because they, you know, these teams aren't as good as before? It's like that's just not how it works. I agree with you, Scott, but one thing out of, out of conference play was Northern Illinois, Army, and Holy Cross. So this that's not going to light the fire, if you know what I'm saying, dude, this year. Yeah, but, it, that's Okay, but the, – but, in counterpoint to that is what are the other teams playing? Like that, that who's like very infrequently do teams now have super, especially if you have a tough conference, very infrequently are you seeing teams that are loading up with, with very difficult out of conference games, maybe one. Right. But you know, in the end you, you schedule these games and, and they are what they are. So, and some, and the, the, the games aren't scheduled like <laughs> a year apart, right? These, these games, they were they were charged with, um, you know, they're started with many years in the past. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by a BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com.
com. Yeah, so the, the schedule is set, and you put those in. They played Northern Illinois uh, back when Steve Adazio was there on the road. And you would you would venture to say, it's like, why would BC ever play a non-Power 5 conference on the road? Uh, but it happens. You set these up. But, you know, let's look at next year's, like, uh, schedule. Your out of conference is Missouri, a top you know, 15 team in the country, and Michigan State, a Big Ten team. So, hey, and doesn't Notre Dame come too as well? I think home. But you get yeah, but you, you're a victim of you know booking it out in advance and who's going to take you? There. I'm sure BC probably had another you know good school that was on there that 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 backs out. That happens a lot. I mean, how many times we've seen BC has. Um, Ohio State on the schedule for I think twenty eight or twenty nine. Yeah. If that falls through and then that gets canceled, you, you got to fill your schedule. Like BC still has to fill their schedule with one game for next year out of conference. So it it, it, it ebbs and flows with this and how you can book certain things. So yeah, no, I, 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 I just don't get too caught up in it. I just think it's I just think it's silly to get well. Hell, you're sixty three, but you have this soft schedule. It's like okay, so what? It's just you know that's. That's just what happens. Like that's just the way it is. You got to play who's on your schedule, and then you just got to beat them, however you can. And I think these next three games will be very important too, because you could shut everyone up with a nine and three overall record, and you know six and two conference record. That would be huge. What do you think about the Hokies this Saturday, twelve noon? Um, uh, what's your take on Virginia Tech? You know, kind of a lot of ups and downs with them, right? You look at Georgia Tech, and people are like, "Well, Georgia Tech's not that good of a team." Georgia Tech just beat your darlings in the conference, North Carolina, right? They 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 beat Miami, so you're like, well, okay, they're they're having a good year. They, they didn't play well against BC, so that's BC's fault. I mean, it's you know, Virginia Tech and all the and everyone in the ACC. I think the one thing you see is that there's anyone could beat anyone in any any given week. You've seen the highs and lows, like Pitt beat Louisville. Like no one would have predicted that one. There's just you got to be ready to play each week. You just don't know what teams you're going to get and a lot of this that we talk about is that it's about matchups, right? How do you match up with the team in which you're playing? And sometimes, you know, you just happen to have a strength where the other team has a weakness. And that's one of them is like uh, Georgia Tech's running run defense is not very good. BC was able to wear them down and exploit it and then hit some plays in the passing game. That's just a, a good matchup. Sometimes there's there's other matchups that aren't as good, but you – you know, you just have to, you know, use the best of what you got and try to exploit the matchups where you think you can take advantage of So that game's 12 noon, ACC Network, of course. It's, you can listen to Scott Mutrin Cup in the Learfield Radio Network. Well, Scott, just take us behind the scenes. Uh, how, what was the plane ride home like after that victory? From a, a very quick plane ride, I should add. I got a little heat on Twitter about saying maybe BC could have driven to Syracuse, but that was a quick flight home uh, from uh, a happy flight, I should say. Uh, yeah, to say the least, you got a lot of heat on that. Um, there's no way you should ever bus to Syracuse. It's like a six-hour bus ride. Hey, I, I drove. It was no problem. Easy drive. 90 West. Yeah, but, yeah, but that's you. You're not taking a team of team staff and personnel that needs to go. And if you can get up and down in 45 minutes and get back, that's, you know, that's what you got to do. There's no way you want to – you don't want gigantic humans on on a cramped bus for six hours, right? Like you driving is fine, but you know, ask you know Logan Taylor and Kyle Hergel and Jack uh, Conley and Ozzy Trapillo to sit in on a uh, to sit in on a six hour bus ride. I, I think they'd probably have some words for you that, that you wouldn't want to repeat um, at Thanksgiving Day table. 
<laughs> but anyway, it was a good, it was a very good flight home. Uh, great to see you too, Scott, in the booth, in the press box, your whole crew there, Chach, Meter, Pete Cronin, you guys were having a good time. It was a very good scene there at Syracuse. Yeah, it was great to see you too. You know, always a pleasure. I think, uh, you know, the, I always, the plane rides home are always much better uh, when you win. Uh, the vibe of the, the, the plane was great. Everyone was really excited. Uh, to be, you know, to have five in a row, uh, to be bowl eligible. I think it says a lot to, to the team, and it's always good to have that positive vibe going. Football is such an emotional game, and you put so much time and effort into it. And unlike, um, you know, unlike the other sports where it's like baseball, hockey, and basketball, where you're playing a lot of games, and like, you know, two to three times a week, sometimes five games a week, right? There's quick turnarounds. Football is like, a ton of preparation for one game. So you put so much into it that when you have a win, you just want to be able to sit back and kind of celebrate that moment because it's just it, you don't realize how hard it is to win football games. It really is. All the time, energy, and effort that the staff, the players, and everyone put into it, it's, it's a lot. So you need to be able to enjoy it and, and appreciate it because if you don't, then um, – if you don't, then you're just kind of you're missing the point of of the effort and, and that you put in with the team and and feeling that way to, to celebrate with your brothers after you know a big win like that 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 goes a long way because it's just the morale of that and everything it's it's what it's all about it's what you do all that work for and to only get really 12 chances maybe 13 to get to a bowl game to to celebrate by playing instead of practicing or getting ready for it, then it's, uh, it's, a, it's a special feeling because you gotta, you got to take advantage. Also, too, Scott, you know, you got you get an extra week, day off, too, Friday night game. It was a short week in the front end, but nice to have a little extra day before Virginia Tech next Saturday. Oh, without a doubt. You get that extra day, but then you, you, know, you follow that up quick, with uh, yeah, yeah, Pittsburgh. You know, a quick turnaround to go to Pitt on a Thursday night game, so it's like another one, and then you get, uh, you know, another one extra day rest because then you got a Thursday and a Friday game to end the season. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's great to get that extra day. There's some guys in the locker room that probably need that extra time, which is great. Uh, you know, I mentioned that the running back room probably needs some uh, yeah. needs some uh, some QT and some uh, rest and recovery time, so hopefully they can get some of the guys back there. But, uh, wow, it's, uh, yeah, it's, that's uh, college football, man. you got to be able to turn it around pretty quick. And uh, this Virginia Tech game is going to be big. Because then you get to, they get the seven wins, um, still get that positive momentum going, um, man. Then it's it's great when you know Pete Cronin says this a lot is that winning is a habit and so is losing. So when you get on the habit of winning and you expect to win and you go in to prepare to win and have that confidence, um, and I think they BC on both sides of the ball has it. Like they're they're not afraid to be in tight games. A lot of their games have been one score games minus two. And, you know, they feel that confidence that in a close game that they're going to be able to pull it out in the fourth quarter, which, you know, they did again this week. And that's a, you know, that's, it, it takes a lot to be able to have that confidence to win and close games out because that's usually when a lot of mistakes happen where people are trying to do too much or they don't, you know, there's not that belief that they can pull this out because so many bad things have happened. But, you know, when they get that opportunity to close out, you got to feel, you got to feel like if it's a tight game in the fourth quarter, you got to like BC's chances. Well said. Also, great recommendation, Dinosaur Barbecue. I went there Friday afternoon. That was a good spot. A lot of BC fans, a lot of parents there. Really good vibes Friday afternoon in Syracuse. Yeah, we uh, we did not go there this time. Oof. We can kind of put in a um, 
put in a, like, it's tough to get there. We're going to be sitting out there and waiting for a while. So we had to make a quick audible. And we went to a place called Joey's, which apparently is Jim Beheim's favorite restaurant in Syracuse. It's a nice Italian place. Uh, amazing service. Uh, Chach, Pete, and I went, and we had, uh, you know, a nice a nice meal. It was really close to the hotel, but, like, great food. Yeah, great food there. Really enjoyed it. There you go. Um, great atmosphere. Old school place. It was just, yeah, it was really great. Where was Meter? He didn't come? Uh, Meter had other plans. He, he went out to uh, dinner somewhere else to a place called Lemongrass, which I guess is pretty good. There you go. There you go. All right, he, so... Uh, he, uh, he did not join the group this time, but the three of us, we made the most of it. There you go. Good vibes overall. BC, nice trip in Syracuse. Six and three, three and two conference play. Virginia Tech this weekend. Scott, thanks so much. We'll be see you next week. Absolutely, Mike. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by a BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com.